before we get into anything with the message, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to continue to do what he started doing when we walked in the door. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for leading us. Thank you for your presence. And we just say, have your way in this service. Have your way in our hearts. And Lord, as, as we share the scriptures, as we share the word, as we meditate on your word, Lord, we know that you can speak whatever it is that you have to speak to us at an individual level. Uh, when, when we're in your presence and we're sharing your word, we just ask that you would make that word come alive in each of us exactly as we need and as, exactly as you intended. So we give ourselves over to you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. I want us to look very quickly at Jeremiah 6.16. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. What we're doing right now, we've been talking about this idea of intersection in worship. Worship is the intersection of our love and our obedience to God, our love for him, our obedience to him. Those acts out of love and obedience for him are worship. Similarly, we are at a crossroads right now, in our lives, in our nation, in our world, and it's up to us as we're standing at the crossroad, before we just hastily take steps and start running in a direction, Jeremiah was reminding us, stand at the crossroads, but look, ask for the ancient past, ask God to lead us in ways that he knows are solid, in ways that he knows are proven, ask where the good way is, and then walk in it. We follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, and then we begin to walk, you find rest for your souls. That's what we want. We don't want 40 days of prayer and consecration to add a bunch of unnecessary stuff to your life, add a bunch of requirements, add a bunch of obligations. We want for you to be able to find rest for your soul. And sometimes finding rest for our souls doesn't come from adding a new thing. It comes from getting rid of some things that just don't need to be there. Okay? So here we go. Last week, we talked about spirit-filled worship. Talking about how that same spirit that flowed through Jesus when he was a person now flows through us. And it flows through us because of his resurrection, right? Jesus told the disciples, he said, I, I know you love it that I'm here, but it's going to be better for you if I have to go through this because if, if I will give myself up, if I will die, if I can be buried, and then if I can be resurrected, then I can send to you the Holy Spirit. The same spirit that's in me I'm just one guy, but if, I, if you'll let go, then I can plant myself into you and I can, I can ascend and I can send to you the Holy Spirit and then all of you will be able to flow in what I'm flowing in. It's a beautiful thing. And that's how we got to, last week we got to Acts 2. Acts 2, we talked about the power of God flowing through people with tongues of fire. Uh, I picture them flapping. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> Just makes it fun for me. Uh, but tongues of fire over people's heads and, and people speaking in other languages and, and stuff happening that it caused everyone around to say, wait, what does this mean? How is this happening? It raised some really great questions and some really great thoughts about the supernatural and about the miraculous and about God at work in the lives of ordinary people. But you can't get to Acts 2, the power of God poured out, without first going into Matthew chapter 3 and 4. And so let's take a look at Matthew 3, 16 and 17. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At the moment, heaven was opened. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, 
This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I'm talking about the baptism of Jesus, which is a glorious moment, a supercharged moment of anointing and supernatural power that people could see. Jesus is baptized. He comes up out of the water, and a dove descends, and a voice cries out, this is my son, Simba. No, he didn't say that. But if you picture it in a James Earl Jones voice, it works. So a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I loved. With him, I am well pleased. It's a glorious beginning. And you would think, oh man, Jesus is going now. He's on his way. This kicks off a ministry that is going to be supercharged. Can, can you imagine like in your life, if you got baptized and then you heard the voice from heaven and a dove came and sat on you, like that'd be pretty cool. And we would probably think, all right, the rest of ministry is going to be so easy. I am going to do so much good for God. You let me look at what's happening. But it doesn't happen that way for Jesus. That's the very last thing we see in Matthew 3. The first thing we see in Matthew 4, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry and the tempter came to him. Now we know the rest of the story, I'll summarize, right? The devil comes to him and tempts him in three ways. To give up the plan that God has for his life for, for a, a way around the test, a way around the suffering and a way to get the result that he knows he's supposed to achieve. Right? The devil wants us to take shortcuts. He wants us to give up who we are and instead embrace the thing that we think we're supposed to do. Right? This, is, this life is not about what we do. I mean, what we do is important, but it's about who we become. It's about our identity. And if we just go off and just try to do a bunch of stuff, we end up making a bunch of mistakes. And what the devil wants is for you to think that your mistake is your identity. He wants you to be defined by it. He wants you to go off half-cocked, and he wants you to go off kind of, yeah, the Lord loves me, and so whatever I do is going to be great, and not really consult with God about stuff. He wants us just to go and try to do the thing, because the thing needs doing. And when we make a mistake in that, he wants us to remember that, oh, yeah, see that? You didn't listen to God. See that? You must be a mistake. You must always do this, right? And we have to remember that Jesus, uh, though he's fully God, he's fully a person. So he's, he can fall prey to the same things that we can fall prey to. He can be tempted. He can choose to give in, right? That's what makes Jesus so remarkable is that he, he went through the same things we go through, and instead of giving in, he said to the devil with the word, he said, no, I know you're telling me this, but my father says this, and so I'm going to do the thing my father said. And the devil realizes in Matthew 4 that it, he, this isn't going to work. I'm not to find something else. And, the, and then Matthew 4.11, the devil left him, and immediately angels came and ministered to him. I was just mentioning about doing, doing this stuff, right? There are things that we want to see in our lives, the breakthroughs that we want to have in our relationships, in the world around us, in our, in our circle of influence, in, in the wider world. There are things that we want to see God break through for. There are things that we are hungry for. And so that's really at the, at, the, at the core of today's message. Like, what are you hungry for? 
what are you hungry for? And, and think about it. I'll give you a second. What are you hungry for? What are you contending for? What do you want to see God do in your relationship with him, in your relationship with others, in your circle of influence, in the wide, wide world? What are you hungry for? Here's what Jesus was hungry for. John 4, 34. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Now, he said this right after he had ministered to the woman at the well, and he hadn't had anything to eat in a while. And, uh, and he's pouring out, and the disciples come to him and say, are you hungry? Should we get him some food? And Jesus says, I have food that you know not of. And the disciples, of course, like, I think somebody brought him some food when we weren't looking. And so he has to tell them, uh, my food, the thing that I'm hungry for, the thing that satisfies me, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So this begs the question, right? If Jesus is hungry to get going after the baptism, and if he wants to finish the will of his father, and if his identity has already been established and the spirit of God has alighted on him and it's already resting on him, it brings up the big question, well, why not just go get started? Why not do the thing? Why bother going to the wilderness to be tested? And we see a clue a little bit later on in Jesus' ministry in the Gospel of Mark that kind of tells us why. And in here, the disciples were trying to cast out a really difficult, stubborn spirit out of a young boy, and they were having trouble. It wasn't working. They were doing the stuff, but the spirit was just holding on. And so they said, Jesus, can you come and do this? And so Jesus comes in, takes authority over the spirit, casts it out, the boy's fine, and so they retire to a house, and in Mark 9, 28 through 29, when he had entered the house, the disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we cast that out? And Jesus said to them, this kind cannot come out except by prayer and fasting. Except by prayer and fasting. As we're thinking about what are you contending for? What are the breakthroughs that you're wanting God to come through in your life, in our world, in the church, in your relationships? Those breakthroughs. Some breakthroughs come relatively easy. Some breakthroughs come because we say, Lord, could you please do this? And the Lord says, yeah, sure. And you see it. Anybody ever had something like that before where you say, God, there, here's the need. Can you please make this happen? And then like within a couple days, you see it happen. If you've had that experience, raise your hand. A couple days, seen it happen. That's amazing. I love that. God doesn't do that all the time because then we would come to expect that, <laughs> right? <laughs> he, he's... He's a man of mystery. He wants to keep things fresh. Um, some breakthroughs come easy for us, but there are some things in some seasons, Jesus is telling the disciples, that require a greater level of submission to the Father. They require a greater level of, of intensity in our spirit. They require us to dig deeper and to go a little bit more beyond ourselves than we normally would. They require, quite literally, because we're going to talk about fasting in a moment, they require us to get lean and mean with God. And when I'm fasting, I get lean and also mean. It's, that's, that's how it works. That's how it works. So we're about to embark on 40 days to Easter. I mention that a lot. Uh, but it's 40 days of prayer and consecration. In case you're unfamiliar, consecration is basically just when we 
give something over to God. When Moses had his staff and, and the Lord said, hey, throw that staff down on the ground. And God changed it into a snake. And he said, pick it back up. <laughs> okay. And he picks it back up. But whoop, it becomes a staff. That's consecration. He's taking something of his own and he's giving it over to the Lord and saying, this is yours. Have this and do whatever you want with it. Usually when you do that and God chooses to give it back to you, it's better than it was before. It's more effective. It's pure. It's more powerful, right? Um, so consecration is giving things over to him. It's an act of worship because out of love and out of obedience to the Lord, we sacrifice something for him. That's an act of worship. Now, what we're going to be talking about a little bit today is, is fasting. I have a, something, an object lesson about fasting that just happened this morning in the bathroom. Do you want to know? It's okay if you know. I'm going to tell you anyway. So I've been thinking, preparing message, thinking, praying this week about, okay, I want to, I want to give a really good call to fasting to the people at our church. I want to put that out. I want to challenge us. I want to put it out there in a way that, you know, that makes us think, oh, okay, we need to do this. And so before service, I'm in the bathroom and... And uh, I, I have this belt that I've been wearing for years that has a, like a metal buckle. Like it's, I don't know what metal it's made out of, but it's not like, it's not like cheap and chintzy. But today, I walk into the bathroom and that buckle goes and just, just break. Not like one of the mechanisms came loose or whatever. The buckle, like it, the metal was like this and it goes and just broke like in half. So depressing. So literally, so I had to find something. <laughs> I was talking with Wes and he said, well, you know, we can also talk about all our falling shorts. Um, but so I had to walk around the church and find something. So I've got right now, I've got like this little nylon cord thing holding on my pants. We hope it works. Nylon stretches, I hope it doesn't stretch too much. But I'm thinking I need to give this call to fast, this challenge where people will say, yeah, we need, we need to seriously consider fasting. And the Lord said, here's what I'm going to do for you. <laughs> and it worked. I left the bathroom thinking I really need to seriously consider fasting. That's, this is something I really need, Lord. I get it. Um, yeah. Uh, don't look for that on the podcast later. We're editing all that out. But actually, Terry said, you know what? You should keep wearing that just as a reminder. And I think I should probably just like today, I'll just hang it on the wall so I can just look to it and say, yep, that's my fasting belt right there. So fasting, fasting is doing without something. Fasting is abstaining from something. Normally, we consider it to be food, right? It's an age-old tradition. Um, actually, I was listening to a podcast on fasting the other day, and one of the, uh, one of the earliest writings that we have uh, relates to the subject of fasting, uh, giving up some, giving up food uh, it, it, during a time of diving into relationship with God, letting go of our hold on some things that we find really important. But fasting is one way that we prioritize kind of what's most important in our lives. And it's a, it's a process that brings up, what, what it does is, is, is it sharpens us in 
three areas. And, and I'm not telling you right now, I'm not saying you have to fast in a certain way or you have to give up a certain amount of food. I've, I've made a plan. I know what I'm going to be fasting. Probably going to be it's fried, you know, because <laughs> belts are expensive. So, um, but whatever it is that you're fasting, we can, one of the things that, that we need to remember about fasting is that we're giving up something that we normally find comfort in that keeps us from finding comfort in Him, right? So that could be a lot of things. That could be the show that you watch religiously, right? That could be uh, your online self, your online presence, right? Oh, I need to stay connected with all these people. Right, all those people who live all over the place and never actually see you. Definitely you need to stay connected with them. That's super important. Um, you need, you know, it's, it, or it could, it could be giving up, uh, I don't know, it could be giving up just about anything. Whatever it is in your life, and when I'm saying this right now, you probably know a couple of things that you spend a lot of time in, spend a lot of energy in, spend a lot of effort in, that's really not essential. I know I've got those things in my life. And so what, what I'm calling us to do here over these next 40 days, starting at Ash Wednesday, is to decide, okay, what are some things that I can let go of? Because I surround myself with them, and I find my solace, and I find my comfort, and sometimes I find my identity in these comforts of the world. What, what of those things can I let go of and instead devote my time, my energy, my effort that I usually give to them, devote it to God? So why do we fast? Number, the, the first thing that, that fasting sharpens for us is clarity. Clarity. You ever gone without food for an extended time? I'm not talking like, like the two hours in between the snack and the lunch, right? <laughs> Although, when I was like a teenager, that was a really extended time, you know? Um, but, I, but I'm talking about like if you've gone on like a full day, 24-hour fast, 48-hour fast, there comes a point, and it's not too early on. I mean, it's not too late. It's pretty early on when you become aware of things on a greater level, right? Like, oh, wait. I'm aware of the way that my body is reacting to being hungry. I haven't been hungry in a while. Uh, and that makes you aware of everything else, usually in an annoying way, right? Oh, I never realized how annoying people are until I got hungry. And now I'm very aware of them. That's amazing, right? Uh, and, but, but doing away with things that we normally find comfort in focuses us. It sharpens our focus and our clarity. Fasting cultivates a hunger for God, focusing on Him rather than on other things. Right? Jesus said to His disciples, I have food that you know not of. Um, he, also, he also said to the devil in Matthew 4, He said, uh, I'm sorry, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This food uh, this feeding on the word, feeding on his presence, uh, filling ourselves up with that instead of the other things that we typically resort to because they're easier, they're more convenient. They don't require anything of us, if I'm honest. So fasting helps cultivate clarity for us. We do away with unnecessary stuff. There are fewer things that are an option and we can hone down 
on the Lord. We can hone down on him. Well, let's see. I was going to invest all that time in driving out to McDonald's and ordering and then feeling guilt about it later. Uh, but maybe instead I'll just take that time and ask God to speak to me. Just spend some time with him. Uh, fasting also sharpens our ability to be consistent. sharpens our consistency. Consistency. It establishes and strengthens habits of spiritual and physical discipline. Matthew 26, 41. Jesus told them, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. We fa- and that's true of all of us. Our spirit oftentimes is very willing to do whatever God wants us to do, but it's our flesh that gets in the way. It's our desire to have some comfort or some peace or to not offend anybody or to keep everything really peaceful and happy. That gets in the way of us really following the Lord and what he would want us to do. Um, so in fasting, we, we exchange all of our other creature comforts to exercise the spiritual muscles that we need to exercise, the same ones that we use to say no to sinful behavior, the same ones that we use to say no to things that are temptations, right? Fasting from food, it's not necessarily that food is bad, but food is tempting you to, to put focus on something else besides God. Right? Um, 1 Peter 4, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. And as a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for evil human desires, but rather the will of God. As we determine to do without some things from the, the world and instead fill that space up with the Lord and our relationship with him, we find that certain things don't have a hold on us anymore. We can put them to the side. We know where our help comes from. We know who our source is. And the longer we have to rely on him alone as our source, the more confident we become that he is that source. It's easy to trust God for a week, a little bit harder to keep trusting him for a month, a year, two years, a lifetime. And so we do this step by step, step by step. And as we do this, it does number three. It sharpens our connection to the Lord. Fasting sharpens our connection. It gets us in touch with our longing for Jesus, and it connects us to God. We stop relying on other things for comfort or for direction, and we shift all of that reliance to him. And when we do that, he can lead us into the next season that he has. Fasting, by and large, is preparation. It's preparation getting our heart clear of some things that we've allowed to get to attach it to it. I didn't say that good. But it's getting our hearts clear of these attachments so that we can be filled with him. And when we're filled with him, then he can lead us in confidence into the next season that he has for us. He can lead us into the new thing. Luke 5, 33 through 39. They said to him, saying to Jesus, hey, John's disciples often fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours, Jesus, go on eating and drinking. What's up with that? And Jesus said, can you make friends of the bridegroom fast while he's still with them? But the time's going to come when the bridegroom is going to be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. When the disciples had Jesus living right there with them, they had access to him. They had connection. They had a relationship. They didn't need to fast to grow in their connection to him. But Jesus says, but when I have ascended, 
They're going to miss me. You're going to miss me when I'm gone. You know, so they're going to they're miss me. And in those days, they will fast. And so that's what I'm saying today. In these days, to sharpen our connection to the Lord, to, to get a clear sense of where he's leading us as individuals and as a church and as a body, and, uh, and, and then to develop consistent spiritual practices that go back to ancient practices to connect us with all of that. Here's what I'm saying. In these days, that's why I'm calling for us to not only pray, not only reach out to our communities, um, but I'm, I'm asking us to find out what can, you, what can you fast? What can we give up during this season for the Lord? It might be different for every single person. I already know for me what I'm giving up and I'm determined. I also want to say this. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to get a few days in and probably going to make a mistake. And so I want to say this to you as you're considering if and what you are going to be fasting. You're going to probably mess up. And if you do, it's okay. Start again the next day. Start again the next day. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He didn't say great is our faithfulness. We mess up a lot. But if you do, you decide, I want to fast this. Don't let guilt get into you. Don't let condemnation or shame come to you. Don't feel like, oh, I can't. Yeah. Just pick yourself up. Dust yourself off and start again the next day. His mercies are new every morning and his grace is sufficient for you. Okay? Um, so it's, you know, it, I'm, challenge, I'm trying to challenge us to, uh, to put our faith for these next several weeks into someone greater than ourselves, into something greater than the creature comforts that we surround ourselves with. I'm asking for us to get kind of lean and mean in the spirit and really dive in and ask God, what do you have, not only for us right now, uh, but, but where do you want us to go? Lead us, Holy Spirit. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm asking for us to do during this season. 